When you're deep in a dark dungeon and the cleric's down and dying And you've taken all the potions you had left And you feel like you are doomed because the demon you set loose is coming after you And you can smell its breath Don't ever give up Hello, welcome to the Road Point Exchange um, been a while, but I think I still remember everything here. I'm your host, Adam, and joining me are co-hosts, Noah and Chris. Awesome. Like last time, Chris jumped order. Do you remember that, Noah? I do. Yeah. Knows his place. Somebody's getting uppity. <laughs> Gun for your spot, spot Carden. <laughs> well, you're usually here more than I am, so. Yeah, and I'm basically the group GM at this point, so. So, guys, well. When we started out the podcast and had lofty aspirations, and I'd watched a video on Udemy about how to do a podcast, um, <laughs> I, I had dreams of weekly and then bi-weekly content and, you know, just all this amazing stuff I was going to do. Like, And what? I just smacked that out of your hands. <laughs> No, you just enabled me. So, Noah, um, after we recorded our Gen Con episode, mm-hmm. I don't think like immediately following, like you signed off and ran off to fly away on a plane, but uh, you got to take a little bit of a trip, didn't you? Yes. So I've been gone for almost a month now because I got to go to San Francisco for my job, which was really nice. And that I got to go to San Francisco, but my job was a pain in the ass. Uh, um, and during that San Francisco trip, I got to go up to Seattle for a little bit. So, Cool city. So I guess you took the Pacific Coast Highway up there? No, I flew because that was like a 12-hour drive. So That that makes sense. I'm, I'm stupid. I have no idea of uh, topography well, or whatever. Uh, so... I saw some of your pictures online. I guess you hit a few game shops and the what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whenever like I end up in a place that isn't my hometown, I go scrounging around for game shops to find anything kind of weird and and rare and things like that. So, did did you strike uh, weird rare gold? I trip? found uh, uh, the Alpha Omega Monster Manual. And Living Steel, which is the like mecha sci-fi. I don't even. I don't know if it's like a supplement or if it's a standalone game, but it's based off of Phoenix Command. Okay, so you have to drink when you're playing it. <laughs> yes, and calculus. I mean, pretty when much. Do you, when don't you do calculus? And then and I also found uh, some old copies of Dragon Magazine, which are older than me. Nice. <laughs> They're like from 1983, 1986, stuff like that. So, wow, I'm yeah. having that moment from Saving Private Ryan, where <laughs> all of a sudden Matt Damon ages quite a bit. <laughs> in 1986, I was in first grade. It, it's neat because you get to see ads for like Gen Con 18. Was it still an indie at that point, or I don't even know? No, it was... Uh, Maybe Milwaukee? <laughs> yeah, it was like near Milwaukee? Lake Geneva, wherever that's at. Hmm. So, cool. We're, we're glad to have you back, and we're definitely looking forward to getting back into our uh, Knights Black Agents campaign. That was yeah, definitely. Uh, Chris, 
Anything interesting been happening with you for the past month? I am running three fucking campaigns concurrently. This was the worst idea. <laughs> uh, you asked for this. Yeah, Atlas. What, what brought this on? Well, I, I thought somebody else would take uh, take over for me, but uh, apparently they don't have dice in, in Kentucky. Motherfucker, I'm running a game on Sunday. <laughs> you all press ganged me in it. I'm like, hey, Chris, I'd like to run a Fear Itself game. Okay, that's the last I heard of it. And then two Sundays ago, it's like, so Adam, we run that game tonight? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but thank you. you. You helped me get back on that uh, bucking Bronco that is a role-playing game. So, yeah. all right. Excluding Diceless Kentucky, uh, what games are you running right now? Uh, right now, I'm running our uh, Unknown Armies campaign, which has been going on for a while. Okay. Tons of fun, as usual. Um, I'm running uh, Monsters and Other Childish Things for a bunch of newbies and my wife, which I'm hoping to record okay. for the podcast. And maybe we can do like a postmortem on that or like a, a chapter-by-chapter thing with uh, Laura. That would be great. Yeah. Because we need somebody who swears more than me on this podcast. <laughs> we need someone's spouse on there. Wait, mine was yeah. on the last episode telling you guys how I was well, an asshole at the zoo. We we occasionally get, like, Laura's yelling in the background. So, true. to be on, like, an official capacity would, would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think her first recording of Laura, which I never posted, was her yelling, I have pants on. Like, <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yep. Um, and I'm also going to, we're going to be running uh, Red Market soon. Red Markets! Yeah. Thank you. Everybody is a cultist or something. Yeah, where everyone's either a cultist or, I I don't even know. A Mennonite, a brewer, and a scavenger mechanic. (laughs) Yeah. I think a roadie, I think that's what Aaron wants to be. Yeah, he's going to be Jack Black from, um, whatever the fuck that video game was called, Brutal Legend. That's oh god. Pretty cool, that's that's pretty awesome. Grim dark serious zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, and we're playing in hard mode too. Yeah. Yeah. Jerks. He must be playing some shit for us, Noah, because like somebody was asking like one of the guys at our session where we were prepping the game was asking him about different rules like uh the oh, random yeah, the random like healing mechanic for your your uh, stress and stability, like the vignettes, that's what it was, like real one for vignettes. And Chris even said, no, you don't need that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, have it's, no idea. It's ominous. So I look, for, I look forward to being screwed by the fates. Well, definitely, and this kind of brings up our first topic, and I usually don't, I usually like to jump head, in, head first into our conversations about real playing. But, you know, the podcast has been doing pretty good, and... More or less, I kind of wanted to take a few moments here for us to discuss some recent developments that we've been doing. So as of um, last month, actually to give you a date, like it's the end of August last month, uh, 28th, uh, we placed our first actual play up. It was a Fear Itself uh, game ran by Chris Hammond. Kentucky has no dice. And... uh, (laughs) It was like, that's that's my new role playing system, Diceless Kentucky. <laughs> Route zero. Yeah. yeah. The, we had like great success for it, like for our first actual play. I mean, it's it's 
received like 50 downloads last month. It received, it's at this point received 15, which, you know, good for us starting out and all that. So there's definitely an interest in that. And furthermore, what kind of amazed me and I think a couple of the, well, other players in the game was it was a solid AP. And we just had to do a little bit of editing. <laughs> Only mildly racist. <laughs> we fixed that. Well, the premise was racist with those god awful deals, uh, oh, that, god. That, that ranting stuff. But uh, so we played. We posted one actual play, and then uh, I had the great fortune of being one of the backers of Caleb Stokes's Red Markets game, where it entitled me to an online game. And Caleb and the group that I played with for nice enough to allow me to record it and we posted that uh, on the 15th so we've got a little bit of a back pile of actual plays we don't want to make this a standalone actual play podcast we just like to kind of intersperse it to to be frank on my end i'd like to make up for the fact that we're not releasing a weekly episode or bi-weekly episode because Editing takes a while. So unless you say something that like is going to get me death threats during the game, Chris, I'm probably not going to fix it. I mean, is that a promise? Well, just make or life a easy. challenge. Be, be merciful, sir. It's going to take me an hour <laughs> and a half to edit this thing tonight. But, True. Uh, so we're going to you actually... care so much, Adam. You care so much. I... I Maybe I care too much, and I, I can tell from the beginning of recording these to this current date, and it's no reflection on my opinion of our listeners, but the, the amount of fucks I give for certain things now as opposed to back in April, a <laughs> little bit different. Like, I'll take out a blatant, uh, but, like, you know, I'm kind of listening and just seeing if everything's cohesive and all that, and I never listen to it again after I edit it. So I, I'm kind of lightening up on it. But, I mean, honestly, with anyone with a Shrek with Shrek on their T-shirt, obviously doesn't give a shit. Ow, you wound me, man. This was okay. These are several musicals because I work lights and sound at the school, and in 2010, I ran musical numbers from Billy Please. Elliot, Shrek, Spring Awakening, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Smokey Joe's. Never fucking heard of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a musical, Smokey Joe's. I need to find out about Smokey Joe's now. So if Excuse I want to wear like follow the Google hole. So on Friday where I work, if you wear something school related, you could wear blue jeans. So I, I've collected uh, like <laughs> like musical shirts, and I just wear them every Friday just so I don't have to wear dress pants or something like that, <laughs> or cargo pants. Oh, fuck it, that's what I wear at work. Oh. Don't hate on me, man. Oh. When you when you reach thirty six, you the, the fucks go downhill on that one too, man. Shameful. So back on topic, so we can get on topic. Topic. We're gonna try. We're gonna start releasing actual plays each month. Uh, going with Noah's suggestion here, since we're actually running campaigns, mini campaigns, and so forth. Instead of dropping one episode per month and then, you know, you have to wait a month to find out what great thing Chris Hammond does next, we'll probably post them every other week. So currently it looks like um, I will be posting an upwind game from Gen Con. And then we're either going to start 
in, in October with Cthulhu Dark or Fear Itself or Nice Black Agents. We, we got a few to choose from. So thank you for your continued support. And I've rattled enough on that to where I bored myself on that topic. <laughs> ah. Oh, sorry. Were you talking? I'm sorry, man. But anyway, let's go on to the actual topic topic of our podcast today, which is problem players. So if you haven't had one, you could be one. <laughs> You're also incredibly lucky. God knows I'm one. <laughs> And, like, we've talked about my first game, but the first game that I ran with with, with Chris was, it was all problem players. <laughs> Since they jumped me like a fucking gang member into an initiation circle. But, so, problem players. Uh, who are they? What do they do? And um, what kind of advice do we have? On addressing this. So let me ask somebody who's been in the game a lot longer than me. So either of you guys got a good problem player story for me? Give me an example. What's define problem player? Uh, there's a bunch of different types, honestly. Uh, yeah. when I, when I think of problem players, I just think of somebody who, uh, they sort of turn the game into a black hole that focuses on their specific interests, their I don't want to say fetishes, but like they're objects of they're objects of obsession. Okay. So let's say we've got um, my my group's current problem player is uh, very big on um, conservatism and uh, the right to own a gun. So uh, he'll bring that up a lot. Uh, one of my one of the first games I ran was a D and D session where one guy decided to make a fighter who was basically one giant anime trope. Wow. Straight up calling your attacks and me making fun of him mercilessly about it. I can understand like an alarm going, magic missile, magic missile, magic missile. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt, my bad. (laughs) But wow, okay. Noah, what yeah. about yourself? Uh, any good horrible player moments you can remember? Not particularly. I haven't had too much with like a individual problem player. They, I think the the biggest issue I've ever had has been uh, the table itself. Just sort of wrangling those cats to kind of keep them on task and keeping like table talk and stuff like that down, oh, keep God. focus on the game. Yeah. Our Delta uh, Green game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's Robert's fault right there, man. I'm yeah, he wasn't wrong. comfortable with the game, though. Yeah. So, stuff like that. that that's that's sort of been my big experience, at least as, as a GM. Like, I haven't had, like, a one particular player who either... Uh, directly or indirectly, it kind of sabotages the game. Okay. So I'll tell you what, too. I had this discussion up. Let's, let's go ahead and define, I guess, in a way, what a good a good playing environment was. We've kind of focused on this several times. It's actually the premise of the initial beginnings of the podcast and all that. But a, and I'm thinking about things that 
Kale Stokes and Greg Sozi both said when we asked them this, like for definitely for a beginning GM, but really for the table in general, the table's got to be a safe place. It's, the table's got to be like a place of mutual respect. It's got to be, you know, a place where you can't, I mean, we're doing goofy things. I'll admit it first off. You should see the looks I get from my wife as I sit here playing a Skype game and she looks like, what the fuck are you saying Mennonite a lot? I'm like, well, I'm playing a Mennonite that kills zombies. Like, I mean, it's fucking good. I know that. It's goofy. But, you know, it's like having like this goof environment is it, great and it's safe. And I guess it all, it all boils down to like cohesion. Right. And I would, I would classify anyone uh, that either intentionally or inadvertently breaks group cohesion as being a uh, trouble, like a, you know, a problem player, which I mean, honestly, you could even have a problem GM, but if you're playing in that fucked up world, it's a little different. So we're going to just oh, stories. I can tell <laughs> there shall be time for it, sir. We need filler. <laughs> so it's someone who's breaking the uh, cohesion. So, hmm. I can think of just if you were going to take the traditional setup of a uh, from the five games I've probably played of actual Dungeons and Dragons, like a group of adventurers using the, that premise that go out and you know explore dungeons, quests, go to adventures, exp, kill things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This group cohesion in real life and on the table with the characters is what is the glue that holds the game together. If if you don't have a tight seal or a bond to use this analogy or metaphor, if you will, then you know things are going to kind of fall to pieces. So I'm going to pick on Chris first with this discussion because I played with Chris quite a bit, <laughs> and um, his he his the yin and yang would be him and another in our group. There they're they're always at ends. Our conservative <laughs> friend Chris. Yes, I, I'll, I'll be uh, be honest with you on this here. Some of those uh, light rain games that we were doing between your you and Dar's character, like Candish, and what, what was the other other character's name? Uh, my character was Candish. I do not remember Dar's character. Tanaka, I think. Tanaka. They yeah. were openly hostile to each other throughout the course of it, and me jumping into the game. Which I was tickled to death to be brought into it. And once I got my legs and understood everything, I got the party dynamic. But it was confusing for me jumping in a game or playing a character where it was two other people that were closely together. Like within at least once per session, the conversation of I'll fucking kill you. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, our characters hated each other. So how how do you make it work when you like – Let's try to avoid being a problem player. Like, how do you make it work when you got two characters that are at two different spectrums that are, you know, constantly at odds? Like, why why didn't you break down and kill each other? Um, one thing you have to realize though is that one can be a problem player in one. Like, you're not always a problem player. It depends uh, on the uh the setting and the situation. Yeah. Like, we were playing a game that was heavily based on backstabbing and um, working together through gritted teeth. Okay. So, that us, like, constantly 
arguing and trying to fight each other and vying for power worked for that specific game. But uh, let's say we were running a more traditional Dungeons and Dragons style game or a game where we're all friends and we all work together. That shit would not. That shit would not fly. Yeah, definitely. So it, context is always important. So you need to have a plot device within the games, which your, our plot device was the actual plot of what our characters were trying to accomplish that would yeah. allow you the narrative loophole to, I want to kill you, but I need you kind of deal. Exactly. Awesome. So that would explain it, it, how the elf hunter like befriends the high elf in a kingdom or whatnot because, you know, mm-hmm. necessity. I'm actually uh, about to start a game run by Rob where uh, one of the players, like, it's going to be me, my wife, and some Irish lady I have yet to meet. Uh, But my wife's character is um, going to be, like, a hardcore druid, you know, protect the the forest, that kind of hippie nonsense. And the other person is a paladin for civilization. Yeah. Explain that to me. Oh, God. (laughs) I'll bite. Powered for civilization, you say? Tell me more. Okay, this is 13th Age, so it's like the least bad D20 game. But, um... That character's relationship is with the Archmage, who's inherently about building up civilization and making it better and all that. While my wife is, um, mostly related to the High Druid, who's all about protecting nature. And my character is basically just going to be a go-between, where I've been actively hired on to keep them from killing each other. Is this we, gotta, we gotta Japan this shit, guys. We can <laughs> super advanced cities and nature. Yeah. <laughs> so is this like an allegory for the new pre- for the upcoming presidential election? I mean, we're trying to make civilization great again and oh, not God. Just wondering. Oh. oh God, don't say that. It makes me think about my parents. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> Everybody's parents. They're they're all scared. But we're not gonna. I don't want to start a political shitstorm amongst our on the forum. Wait, no. All we get on comments there's porn ads, which I figured out how to block those. There's a there's an add on for that. So like, I've you know I'd like to thank our top commenters, uh, free free sex and uh, hello. You've got such a great blog. I love it. What kind of font do you use? Like, I, I really like those guys. But... Wait, wait. Free animal sex has been edged out? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. But heads up to, to all our listeners. We're all leftists on this uh, podcast. Some of us <laughs> a little farther left than others. <laughs> I think I think it's, it's me and Adam and then Way down the lane is Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I think dogs should vote. <laughs> I'm transhumanist, motherfucker. Space whales, got it. Oh god, uh, hey, you no, know, we we've kind of hedged you out on this here. If, uh, anything to add on that that whole aspect of as a GM allowing your characters to have a narrative device in place that cements the relationship of why while we are working together. So I mean it it to kind of piggyback off of Chris's thing, like there's there's particular settings and there's particular games which are designed around that. Um so like 
the big one that jumps out in my mind is paranoia, uh. which which is entirely about both working together and stabbing all of your friends in the back. Which I've got, I've only played paranoia like once, but I've got a paranoia story. So when we kind of get to anecdotes or whatever, we can kind of talk about that. Awesome. But yeah, so the 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 game. There are, there are certain types of games and stuff like that that kind of build around that. And then there's also the sort of the commitment at the table of saying, hey, we're all here to have a good time. We're all here to, to play a game and be friends and stuff like that. So let's try not to defeat that purpose while making it interesting. So having characters that are kind of opposed makes for some good storytelling and can make for an interesting game and an interesting listen. Yeah. (laughs) But taking that too far can kind of kill the mood at the table, kind of kill the, the, it can actually end up killing like a group if nobody's like, if it goes too far and people stop getting along, things like that. So I, and I've heard on the other podcasts, I think definitely RPPR touched on it in one of their episodes here about kind of bleed through of stuff outside of the table. Right. Coming over to the table. I think even Sean was in on that. Like, I think there may have been a conversation about playing with a girlfriend or maybe a Ken Robin. Yeah. Well, well, there's, there's, you have to be able to kind of handle that stuff both in and outside of the table. Like, if there's drama going on outside of the table, you've got to, especially as, like, you as the GM, you're sort of, like, the lead of the group. So you need to be able to say, hold on, let's hash this out before we go any further to make sure that the game is going to be an enjoyable experience for everybody else. And, I mean, and unless that's going to be, like, something super personal or, like, extremely awkward... Like that should be something that you should be able to, as a group, talk about and kind of hash out. Great, yeah, definitely. It's to echo exactly what you just said. It it is your responsibility as a game master to address any kind of problems that come up, and there there is a right and there's a wrong way to do it. Offhand, just going from experience, more so in my own career as opposed to at the table because I haven't dealt with a huge amount of problems here. But usually if you can do it in private and not make somebody feel like they're being ganged up on or being shamed or anything like that, that would be the way to address these issues, you know. And, you know, it'll surprise you if 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 you come across if you if you can come across as being you know sincere and honest and you know I really enjoy having you play with us. It's just I've noticed you know that uh, you know you did this or X and I, I don't think the rest of the guys are comfortable with that. That um, you know I feel like that's the way to handle it. Now if there's two people involved and you want to be brave about it and include both of them and just have an open heart to heart discussion. And I'm sorry, is there, can you hear the ringing in the background? No. no. Okay. I just ruined my podcast just by hearing a ring. My daughter's pressing the doorbell. Maybe I should let her in the house. I'll be one, back one minute. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> let me let me get my daughter in from the dark. <laughs> the horrible Kentucky hillside. No, like, uh, I I think we need to call Child Protective Services. Uh, we we might have to. Jesus, I are a. Hi. 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 How are you? Oh, you're scared, aren't you? Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. We're 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 nice people. We're not going to hurt you. We just want to make fun of your dad. He's a silly guy. Can you blow him a kiss or something? Or not? It's okay. Sorry about that. I said we were going to make fun of you. Oh, okay. She was just staring at you, confused, like. <laughs> yes, he was ringing the doorbell. Uh, I wonder if I should edit that out or just leave in this awkward, like, oh, I better let my kid in. <laughs> no, you, you should leave that in because that's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I, I put water in her bow outside and I, you know. <laughs> uh, you can hear anyway, so, so you'll be hearing from CPS pretty soon. <laughs> Probably. Uh, they went to my mother-in-law's, so my poor daughter. I got to share this. I'm thinking about it. Like she was ringing the doorbell and it kind of got me my mind thinking about this. Oh, dude. I was driving. I, I, I go to school in the morning and I drop her off at daycare and then I pick her up. And uh, we were driving off one morning. And for some reason, like I noticed a spider like on my windshield. Well, I kind of pick it up and I'm driving, just pulling out of the driveway and I'm driving real slow and I had the windows down. So I just tossed it out the window <laughs> and I oh. drive, I drive maybe six, 700 feet. And then all of a sudden I hear, ah! <laughs> <laughs> the fucking spider blew back in the window. It was crawling around. So I had to pull over to somebody's driveway <laughs> and try to kill the spider. And she was screaming and kicking and stuff like uh, the bug that I threw on top of her. <laughs> Don't kill the spider. <laughs> what did it do to you? It back in the window. It's aerodynamics. It's unfortunate. We're all victims, Chris, but I had to kill it. <laughs> like, it you threw a spider on your daughter. Yeah, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I felt really bad. I took her to, to McDonald's to get chicken nuggets after school to make up for it. I bought her love. <laughs> But yeah, it just went right out the window, just whoop, <laughs> and right back wow. in. Wow. I've had stuff happen like that with cigarettes, not flown them on the child. What? No, I have never, I do not smoke in a car with my child. I've never smoked in a car with my child. But like, you know, if you flip a cigarette out the window and then you had the back window open, it's like whoop, and then the back seat's on fire. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. <laughs> As the room was silent. <laughs> Yeah, you are the only one. I know. <laughs> feel shame. You should feel shame, Mr. Thornsburg, that you caught that 1996 Chevy Luminous backseat on fire as you drove to work. Shame. That, that I mean, was that's, what I, that's, that's pretty metal, but... Hey, it was. <laughs> I was trying to pour Dr. Pepper on. Like, I was trying to pull over on the side of the interstate and I have a kept model on Dr. Pepper dousing it like like an exorcism. God, I have stupid-ass stories, but damn. <laughs> hey, it happens. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, back, back on topic, though. I mean, if, if you had a 
if you establish a safe environment and speak to people about issues at the table, you know, you're going to have more success than if you, you know, called somebody out. Uh, you can, if you want to, call them out at the table, but that's probably a mic drop group end right there, or at least you're going to lose that person more than likely. Yeah, yeah. I've had to do that before. That's a, a sort of, unless it's getting like really out of hand, I think that's something that, that can kind of wait to, or, or at least a hold on, let's pause everything yeah, and try and hash this out real quick kind of deal. That'd be great. I think I had a lot of luck with that when I smoked and I had an excuse to take breaks from the table and stuff like that. Like there's been a few times, of course, back then all my friends, of course it's Kentucky, tobacco is a vegetable, but they've all quit smoking now too, much like myself. But, um, now they all vape, but, um, the, Kentucky, uh, the tool states, we have a day addiction. Come on. But yeah, there's been a few times where we'll take a smoke break as somebody I saw who, I, I mean, I guess you could technically call this type of player a problem player, but like, it's more of an understandable issue. Like the distracted player, the person who you, as you're playing, you don't hear a lot from, or you look over at them and like they're on their cell phone or they're doing this, that, and another table talk is happening at the table and all that. I mean, I guess that's a problem, you know, identifying it as, you know, problem that happens at the table. And I've been able to, you know, like, what do you think of the game? Like, I, n- I noticed you were kind of withdrawn, like, what can I do to kind of, you know, makes this a better experience for you? And I've had, you know, reasonable success with stuff like that. I mean, you also have to keep in mind some people don't game to, like, play role-playing games. They game to socialize. And exactly. that's fine as well. It's just, yeah. you know, you got to figure out your crowd. Yeah, very true. Very true. And sometimes, guys, uh, problem players are, can actually be in a way like a barometer of sorts or like a, a measuring tool for how you're doing as a GM. I mean, not all the time, obviously, but uh, if, if you have people that are distracted, if you have people that uh, – if the players are getting more combative toward each other mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It could be an indication that you're not engaging them. And, you know, I, I, I thought about when I was doing my notes on this beforehand, Noah's love for Shadowrun and all, and the hacking scenes. And I'm not, I'm not even ribbing you on this up here. I mean, I played the, Oh no, um, I am aware. <laughs> like, I, I just wondered how a GM handles that. Like, the hacking mini game that goes on and they're, and the, your, you know, your Decker's doing that. And then your street samurai and your shaman are just kind of like checking so, their stocks. So I think just kind of in general, not even with like problem players and like that, but a good GM tries to keep everybody engaged at all times or as mm-hmm. close to all times as possible. So while I was hacking, like I would, do like a hacking kind of thing. We do like one or two like actions and then he'd jump over to the other players and be like, okay, well, like what are you doing? Or you're, you said you're going to do this. Let's take care of that real quick while he's hacking things like that. So kind of bouncing in between players and trying to keep everybody engaged awesome. and kind of coming from that point, part of a possible issue that will give you problem players is engagement is making is a player may feel that they're not being engaged so they start to kind of act out for attention, basically. 
they they're they're just sitting there at the table. They're either messing with their phone or they're like they're reading through a book or something like that, and they're not being involved in the game. Which sometimes you you know you not everybody is going to be able to act in the same scene and things like that, but they still need to be kind of active within the the game world. They still need to kind of pay attention in case something that involves them happens, things like that. Yeah. So just kind of keeping everybody involved would is is a possible sort of both solution and was the the word I'm trying to think of preventative measure yeah. for a problem player. Right. Awesome. Yeah, you give you give everybody their um spotlight time or you know at least equal stuff, and you know it's it's not like a, we're saying this as a as a form of hubris. You know, it's like I, I am the great storyteller. You shall listen to all that unfolds. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I think I even said it in the in the actual play that we just posted to, for Chris's for self game, like. I mean, if people aren't really doing something in the scene, if they're pulling out their phone, like it'll surprise you how much people are, you know, paying attention while they're doing stuff. I mean, yeah, they're not, they may miss something, but you know, they're still engaged. And as a GM, you know, you shouldn't be like necessarily take this as some reflection of the game you're running or the table you're managing, but just, you know, it's human nature. I mean, God, yeah. And, you know, at the same time, though, you know, you like Noah said, uh, you should make every pain you can to include everybody. But, yeah, I'll, to get back to the other thing, I, during the Chris's Fear Self game, I think I made a test up while I was playing it. I think I even said that. <laughs> you can hear me say it on there. So I'm playing the game, looking at the textbook, making up questions, typing it up and all that. And I was very engaged in the game. I loved it. But at that point, yeah. I was in the zone where I could actually, you know, do two or three things at once. I mean, I'm, I can't do that due to my ADHD, but like, I can understand why people need to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. You also have to, in some ways, we're being apologists for problem players, but there are people who are just terrible and need to <laughs> yeah. be destroyed. <laughs> people who are just assholes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, they need to be taken out behind the shed and old yellered. I don't yeller. Yeah. I've luckily I haven't had too much experience or really any experience with an actively hostile like problem player. Any other stereotypical problem players or you know things that come up at the table that could possibly disrupt the flow of the game? Well there's the boredom and self destructive people. Which yeah. I'm, I am definitely one of. When I get bored in a game that I don't think is well run, I I will do what I can to break it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have flaws, guys. We all do. We all do, and I try to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how about this? As I become more and more immersed into the role playing scene, the, the word, the phrase "rule master" pops up quite a bit. Oh God! So, is a rule master? You're at like, what is a rule master? And is this some someone who is or could potentially be a uh, problem player? And how do you handle this? Um, I believe the uh, the other term is also rules lawyer. Rules lawyer. Okay. I've honestly never heard the term rules master. <laughs> I heard it somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but rules lawyer sounds better. <laughs> you might be combining role master. 
Yeah. And rules lawyer. <laughs> anyway. Um, He's actually combining Hackmaster and rules lawyer. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, this pumpkin spice beer is pretty stout, guys. I just want to tell you. <laughs> was no, that a pun? No. <laughs> I don't think. I, it was. <laughs> Inadvertently. So the, the, the rules lawyer is somebody who generally abides by the 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 absolute word of the rule when it benefits them and uh disadvantages somebody else, be it the GM or another player. So that can be there there are ways to deal with them, mainly having them be sort of like your reference guy. Like yeah. I need to know this rule. What is this rule? Mr. And, so, and having them sort of using them as a, as a resource can, can kind of help yeah. mitigate rules lawyering yeah. and, and being basically, a problem. Yeah, basically treating them as king or queen nerdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go that far. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though, on the, the way to address that. Like, you know, I think it's context. It's like a, a, a rules lawyer. I think I'm saying game master and, and rules lawyer. So being a game lawyer and a rule master, but um, I think it's the context. Just like you said, like how, well, how do you utilize them? What about the gatekeeper and the key master, though? Uh, Gozar is he's, he's difficult to play with, I guess. <laughs> but um, the ultimate game master. <laughs> The the oldest grognard. <laughs> when somebody asks if you're a game master, you say yes. <laughs> What'd you do, Noah? <laughs> oh God. Anyway. It would be Noah too. <laughs> it would. Why, why are we fighting a ten story tall common rider? <laughs> <laughs> it was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> um why so, is your Daki Makura attacking us? <laughs> oh, that's a, uh, so yeah. It's it's definitely the way to handle them. And if you give somebody a role to where you know it it utilizes their skill, makes them. I guess kind of going back to what we said earlier. If you give the if you give this type of problem player, which like I said, not necessarily a problem, but if you give them a little more of an investment into the situation then they can contribute and very well be an asset to you. Yeah, it, it's it's something that you, you kind of see a lot with, like, school kids, things like that, where when somebody isn't being engaged, they act out and start to cause a problem. Yeah. So ensuring that everybody's engaged, that everybody's having a good time, that everybody is comfortable with both the scenario, the people that they're playing with, the setting, the game, et cetera, et cetera, all melds together to help keep the game moving forward and and being an enjoyable experience for everybody. Couldn't have said it better myself. Man, that was kind of cocky sounding. I'm going to have to edit that out like, <laughs> good job, Noah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to... you managed to reach my level, Noah. <laughs> So I've been gaming for two years. <laughs> I, I know. Is there anything with genre? Is there a particular kind of player person with people? That, is, would that just be an extension of the rules lawyer, the genre uh, lawyer? 
Sort of. I mean, there are, like, a type of problem player is somebody who tries to introduce other genres into a game. Like, uh, there's the kind of person who always wants to play a ninja sort of thing. Yeah, right. And, like, Call of Cthulhu. Which, yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely see trying to be, or or always playing a certain, yeah, always playing, like, a certain kind of, like, archetype, and also, like, outside of the table, always wanting to be, like, the class clown of yeah. the group. Especially if you're trying to be something, you know, like a, a horror game or something a bit more serious and yeah. always, like, cutting up and stuff like that. Like, we all like to, you know, make, like, little jokes and stuff like that at the table or at the computer screen, depending on where you're at. But in a horror game, you're generally trying to maintain a particular, like, tension and mood that while a little levity can kind of help relieve some of that and then help make the next like horrible thing even worse, constantly making jokes at like the table and really kill that. Yeah. Like imagine someone every five minutes just going, (laughs) that was really one person. I did not do the theremin sound. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. But goddamn, that that's an exact that that's a perfect example. Yeah. And it, well, that that did honestly, yeah, that that's a that's a mood killer. I think to tie tie that back in here too, as a, as the GM, you really have a responsibility to your players too on this matter. If your yeah. rules are your, or if any problem player in general, you know, if it's becoming an issue or like say with rules lawyer they're arguing a particular rule and all that i mean not to be a dick but it's your game and you can handle this in a proper way but you get the final say so and stuff like that rule zero is always in effect oh definitely definitely i'm i'm thinking back to a um a time and you know this was really cool. It was in a game that me and Noah played in with Ross Payton that you can find on the RPPR YouTube page. It was uh, The Storm, if you want to look it up there. Um, and it should also be available on for free to everybody on the RPPR Patreon. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. They do. He does. Yeah, all the Patreon APs are, are free to everybody. Sweet. This was a, it was a fun game, and I, I played a character that I had an investment in. It was the one that the GM specifically, Ben Darth, tried to kill me at the end of Caligate, and I made it out. Like, despite every fucking attempt, my rolls were good that night, and I made it out alive. And I brought him back, and I mentioned it to uh, Ross. I was like, no, this character made it through Caligate, and he's like, wow, because, you know, that's a particularly brutal scenario. Well... I should be fucking dead on that game. I went to a hospital. Uh, there was cultists that had infiltrated the uh, waiting room and all that lobby. And I made a I, I made a failed check, and uh, I was stabbed, and my hit points went to zero. And like you know, I would I would have been disappointed if Melvin died. Like I had more of an investment into an imaginary human being that I had possible, but. At this moment, Ross gave the suggestion. He's like, okay, you're like the, ra- the, the radio is right beside you. It's crackling to life. Do you, uh, like in your fleeting moments here before you lose consciousness, do you ask for help 
or warn people that there's more cultists in the uh, hospital. And you can probably guess what I did. Good job. Yep, I asked for help. But you like monster. I was, in my defense, that does fit the character I was playing. Like some kid got killed in a hotel, and I was like, okay, and just left his <laughs> dead body. <laughs> oh god! Like, so is is Melvin still alive? Melvin's still alive. I'm afraid to put him back. On, I'm afraid to put him back in the game. Christ! I'm gonna hang his character sheet. I'm gonna print it off and just put a plaque on it, like <laughs> hang it from the rafters. Yeah, but uh, like you know, Peyton didn't have to do that, and like he, it, it made the game interesting. It made it fun, and it gave me two different options. I could save my ass or go out a big goddamn hero. Right. And my ass was more important than her. Than heroic, so I took that route. But you know, the rules don't say that. And as a as a GM, you know, it's it's your show, not to you know sound cocky, but it's I mean, you're the guys put to work, you're running it, and all that. And you know, if you and this is a different topic, I'm sure, but if you want to fudge a rule or house rule stuff, things like that, then you know, don't be afraid to say no. The to the, the rules are not set in stone. They're not like some holy tome or tablet or something like that. They're words on paper that you can adjust and rewrite and reuse however you see fit. Um, excuse me, guys. Have you never heard of World of Cinnabar? <laughs> I have. Oh, I wouldn't go get a tattoo with me, Jim. Yeah, we can go get that little. I want that raccoon. I, I, if you fucking do it, I'll do it. I'm not even shitting you. <laughs> Oh god! I'll just add it to the wall of regret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you you have nothing to lose. It, it's not the worst RPG related tattoo you have. Ouch! Okay. <laughs> Christ! I think I directly confessed I had, had a World of Darkness themed uh, inspired tattoo to Sean and David. At, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I pretty much made you tell everybody that you had a <laughs> one of the... I like my story better. It makes it sound like I went there on my own, you know? It's like I bail it up instead of being drunk, kicking and screaming. <laughs> I have a dark secret, you guys. I'm a sabat. <laughs> Man. Okay. I mean, that's your only reg- regrettable tattoo, though. Not really. <laughs> the only one. I got the only one of regrettable tattoos. We we've been over this. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days, I'm gonna put my my tattoos as show notes, but um, not this not this episode. <laughs> that so, episode should just be called Shame. What what issue of of Inked Magazine can we find your tattoos? <laughs> I never made it in any of them. I'm sorry. <laughs> the shame issue. <laughs> I didn't get barbed wire, at least. I mean, I think that that's something. Congratulations. Right. You're not a fucking Jersey. You're not Jersey Shore trash. <laughs> you're just Kentucky trash. Ow. Oh, all right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> Podcast over. Drop mic. Uh, like I said, guys, it was the late nineties, early two thousands. I didn't make good decisions. Um, you know, how was third grade, but, uh, <laughs> um, excuse you. I was in middle school by then. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, uh, at least obvious problem player I have in mind to, to discuss is cheaters. 
And first off, do you think, you know, from the standpoint of a GM looking at uh, dealing with players, do you think cheating, is it really a preference? Is it like, does it destroy a game? Like, what's your take on people who, oh, yeah, I wrote a natural 20. Cheaters? I, I don't know if I've really had to deal with cheaters that much either. I mean, it's, I think most of the people that I've ever played with have been sort of cognizant of the fact that we're there to have fun and have a, and make an interesting story. So cheating and like fudging die rolls and stuff like that usually doesn't help that. Yeah. But I also think that most of the people that I've played with would also be aware that like, if they're going to cheat, they got to do it subtle. So like, Maybe not a critical, but it's still a success when they didn't actually get one. And I mean, I think so long as it's not like absolutely game ruining, it's not a huge deal. Yeah. Especially if it's something like Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green or something where it's super lethal and really your die rolls don't really matter because you can basically say, oh, yeah, the. Uh, you know, Dagon shows up and just eats your character. You don't get a roll. Very true. Uh, Chris, what about you? What about you, man? What's your take on this? The whole thing is that game in and of itself is an illusion. You're putting yourself into the hands of a GM that you trust will not fuck you over. So I guess I see cheating as ridiculous in and of itself. Like yeah, if, yeah. if you're caught cheating, it just means that the GM has more reason to fuck you over. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I'm I'm not trying to create an oppositional relationship between player and player and GM because I've been both player and GM and I think they're both interesting sides. But I don't know. I, I just feel like cheating upsets the balance. Yeah. In a way. Like it, it fucks up with the dynamic. Yeah. It, well, it it cheats you. Would you say, and like, and I apologize for interrupting you, but I'm gonna continue yeah, to go interrupt ahead. you. Would you say that it? Like, there's an experience. Like, I was talking about surviving that Delta Green test scenario. The experience I got was that my row, when my row succeeded, and we were using online dice roller, and like, there was no question what I was rowing. Like, I, you know, the bad feels bad, man. Man, the the good feels good. And if yeah. you you pull that you know, that Hail Mary out of your ass and you live and stuff like that. That's the shit that, you know, you wish you could go talk to everyone else in your life. Like, you know what? I fucking did it. I bit a blah, blah, blah. And they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Cause I have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're cheating yourself. So get away from me. Strange man. <laughs> but even, <laughs> but like, even then, like a good GM will let you fudge your roles. Yeah. Like if you come up with a cool idea, and you're a few points short, they'll still let you succeed. That's one of the things I really liked about the new version of Call of Cthulhu with pushing rows and stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's built in. Like, okay, you didn't do it. Now when you you know, you reassess the situation in row again, like the consequences are more dire, but you know that. So that, that's a, a brilliant mechanic. But yeah, it's, you're just cheating yourself. Now I'm going to say that on the same token. While I, I'm really not crazy about people fudging stuff like that, but then again, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It just I I wish everybody would be more legit because you know as a I, 
you know, I would like there to be a thing of trust going on. And it just seems like if you, if you can't take your medicine, then, you know, why the fuck are you here? But yeah, exactly. at the same time as a GM, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it cheating in certain contexts and stuff like that, but there's ways that, you know, as a GM, we fudge stuff like, you know, say that, you know, somebody one shots a Bayaki out of, out of nowhere <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, you could say, you know, now it has more hit points and stuff like that. You could prolong the fight. You could, you know, fudge that and stuff like that. And I, I feel like that's more accept, acceptable if you're going at it from an angle. But then again, this is just all about perspective. But it's all, it's more acceptable if you're going at it from an angle of it's benefiting the story. It's not yeah. a combative kind of, no, I'm not dead. Fuck you. Oh yeah. No, the yeah. DM 100% gets to fuck around with dice and stat blocks and all that stuff. I'm I'm too nice as a GM. Like I was running a uh, Cold Dead Hand, the um, the early '90s GRU SV8 scenario where uh, you're a bunch of spetsnaz having to go in and um, stop a missile silo that's going to automatically fire a bunch of nuclear warheads across the across the world. Um. And the start of that scenario is you load up all of your players into a plane and you're flying through like the snowstorm and they have to do like a ground landing that depending on how well you roll, they either land fine, they land kind of shitty and like, or they just all but crash the plane and they can't get out unless they drive one of the APCs that they have through the plane. Um, and I remember having to kind of fudge that role so that, like, my players just didn't die in the first ten minutes of the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, actually, I played my playtest. Uh, Captain Kozlov lives. Oh, oh yeah. nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the table considerations and all. I would just recommend to any GM that's fudging stuff. Like, yeah, as, as you can tell, we all expect the GM to do stuff like that. But at the same time, as a GM, you probably want to do like not make it obvious what you're doing. You know what I mean? Don't let them know that you're fudging it and stuff like that. If you could do it and be covert and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's the way to do it. You don't want to, well, okay, you killed him. You know, stuff like that because it detracts. It takes away from that enjoyment. I mean, I, I've got Noah's opposite problem. Where <laughs> you're too killer? I'm a mean GM. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. No, no, I'm not. This is making me feel real good about red markets. Uh, There's a reason we're playing in hard mode, motherfucker. Yeah, this character is in the book. You can't kill. Oh, is that a challenge? (laughs) No. No. Uh, No, it's you know, it it is grinding. Like, I mean, that's your style. And and that's okay. Yeah. And I've I've been accused by you of being the opposite and stuff like that. And it's you know just it's it's your flavor as a GM. I, yeah. But at the, the same way, time, I can count on you to be fair. You yeah, know? no, I'm not going to fuck you guys over. I'm just going to give you hard challenges. Just wait until I run night floors. <laughs> Looking forward to it. That's that's a a hell of a scenario. Is that the is that the new Detweiler one? 
No, uh, it's it's the old Detweiler one. It's the, one of the old Detweiler ones. Oh, this is really pre- good. Back his Patreon, folks. <laughs> yeah, you really should. That's actually a really good one because you get all sorts of really cool oh. Delta Green. You, you can do it for well, two dollars a month. I mean, and get full access to most of the stuff. Now, you know, you got to contribute more to get in the drawings for you know gifts and shit like that. But I mean, yeah. it's it's a value. My very favorite part of uh, the video game prototype is killing Dennis Tetwiller. Because <laughs> you uh, stri- go ahead, you can do that. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, John Tynes is in the in the game too, isn't he? Or John he Tynes? Yeah, he made the game. Yeah, uh, him and Dennis both worked on the the first prototype. Yeah, the the only prototype, in my opinion. I didn't play the second one. I didn't want to go. I haven't actually out. played the first one. I feel like I should. It's a it's, fun game. It's unique. It's, it's not a great game, but it's fun. Yeah. It had its merits over top of Infamous, which also came out at the same time. Like, and I liked Infamous and played all those games. Yeah. But you know, it's it's unique. It, it so, wasn't like it was like in the world building crackdown style game where you're just like yeah. a dude running around a city fucking shit up. With superpowers. I do y'all think do is there anything else we can actually say about problem players? Uh they are with the canary in the coal mine. As soon as they get too annoying, cut them out. Or if they go contrary to the game you want to run and what the players want to play in, cut them out. Yeah. And and cutting out a player from a particular game doesn't necessarily mean cutting them out of the group. Like, if one of your players just isn't into horror and is kind of being a problem about it, but they want to do something action-y or more something more like D20 Fantasy or something like that, bring them in on that. Like, just because you have, like, a group doesn't mean that everybody necessarily needs to play the same games all the time. Yeah. True. Very true. Huh. Well, with that, man, like... It's just, it's all about how you handle it. It's the, the oh, way in uh, which, yeah, go ahead. One more thing. If they're white, cut them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wanting to play red markets, but. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, again, as a GM, it's up to you to try to keep everybody engaged and address problems. If they come up with you and your game, or if they come up with the stuff at the table, um, you're not going to have anybody that wants to play with you if you can't step up and, and address some concerns. And again, it's, it's it can be hard, but you just don't take things personal. You try to go about discussing with people problems that you're having, and it'll work out. I've had with our own player, which I. It's kind of funny you mentioned he, uh, that he, he's a gun nut and he doesn't have guns and I'm kind of on the left side and I've got like 12 or 13 guns, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, oh, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, right there, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, when we, I was talking about running the game at one point, me and Chris were talking about it and I was, I expressed some concerns about certain things I thought may happen and all that. He goes, and he goes, well, you can just talk to him. Like he will dial it back. He's done it before. It's like, all you got to do is just say something to him and it'll be fine. And you know, I, 
I never did say anything to him because, you know, I like I played more with him and I definitely agreed with Chris. But it, it was comforting to know that like something that I was concerned about, which the, my concern was he has to have eight guns strapped on him wherever he goes kind of thing like that. His character suit. And I mentioned that as being a concern of mine, his power gamer kind of take on stuff. But, yeah, all it would take is just you know, talking to somebody and that same player is actually playing a non-gun nut in the next game that uh, we'll post at some point in time, but Ugh, so he's a fucking Randy. Fucking Randy. <laughs> hey, you can't expect him to change overnight. No. So I think that's about all we I'm talking about, you know, children and things like that. Random <laughs> tangents. Do you said, no, no, fuck. I'm not letting you off the hook for one thing. You bought Alpha and Omega, which is cool. The art is really cool, at least. Uh, it's okay. So I have, I already have the core book for Alpha Omega. Of course, I, you do. I found the monster manual, and okay. I had to have it. Those did you? books, I, I did, I did. Those books are ridiculously well produced. I don't know how they did that. But they were, were, they're like they're super pretty. But that is some crazy, crazy shit in that book. Wow! Like, uh, there's two, there's two, two different ghosts that carry guns. <laughs> okay, like they do wield like Berettas. It's it's so it's so bizarre. Was there like a Megalodon or something like that in that yes. book? Yes. Both, uh, there's a Megalodon and there's one other giant animal. I'd have like to Leviathan or something? Yeah, like, it's, it's not, like, there are so many just gigantic monsters in that book. I, like, every fifth page is some, like, giant city destroying, like, kaiju thing. So, um, I have a shot ready to go when you say something that just makes me angry. So keep going. You you kind of like yeah, I, garbled out for a second. What was that? I have a shot ready to go when you say something that makes me angry. Okay. Let's try this. Noah, you said there was a game you were gonna save for anecdotes. Okay. So so paranoia. I've only played one game of paranoia. Um but that game is built around backstabbing each other. So you you are a a person who works for friend computer in this sort of uh dystopian utopia dystopian utopia I feel like that's both redundant and oxymoronic just call um, it utopia a, a, yeah utopia but everybody's divided into classes based on like a a um a color of the rainbow so like there's the you can be red class Orange, yellow, et cetera, et cetera, and that depends on that. Basically, shows your clearance level. So, me and a couple friends were playing Paranoia, and we were tasked with fixing some sort of cleaning robot. And as a sort of example of the things that can kind of go on, I was attempting to repair the robot. Like I was down in like getting inside of it, and the other player. So. You get you get like certain tasks. 
that you have to do. Like you're, you're a part of like secret organizations and stuff like that. You shouldn't tell anybody about. You're getting, you're given secret objectives on top of like what your actual objective should be. So I'm fixing the the robot, and the other player, like we've unplugged it from the wall. And as I'm fixing it, the other player just looks at the GM. Like I'm actually looking at like my character sheet, like trying to read something. Uh, the other player just makes a plug-in motion. So I just all of a sudden, like I'm sitting here focused on what I'm doing, and the GM just says, "Okay, all of a sudden you die." What? So I'm in the robot fixing it, and the other player plugs it in. So I just get electrocuted to death. <laughs> Like, it's just it's just a subtle like he told me afterwards it was just a subtle like plug in motion that's all he had to do and just boom that's it and then I get crapped out another clone because you get six clones um, so <laughs> that that is like paranoia uh, you can die there's you can do a survey that kind of determines like what your role in the party is going to be and one of our players died during character creation. Because in the survey, he told the 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 survey that he was a part of a secret organization, which is a big no-no. So he died, lost one of his clones, and got crapped out. And he had to do the survey over again. And one of his answers, hey, uh, there's like uh, a height and weight question or something like that. Or not, not a height and weight. It was like, guess how much something like weighs or, or something along those lines. So when he was redoing the survey, he put the same answer, but then wrote, I don't know why I know this. So it was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't know why I know that's how much that should weigh, but that's how much it should weigh. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, Paranoia is hilarious, and there's a new version of it coming out soon, finally. I'm really excited for that, honestly. Yeah, like it's going to be, I think it's going to be more of like a, it's going to have, like, cards and, like, sort of a board game aspect to it, as well as being, like, a role-playing game, I think. Mm. Um, I have, like, a, a preview version. I should look into it. But no, Paranoia is super fun and hilarious, and it's a great way to both be a, a game where you can play with your group of friends and screw each other over all at the same time. Yeah, that was just, I mean, Fasco, there's this kind of fuck-your-buddy thing. It's, like... You know, there's definitely mechanics and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. games that are designed for it to be combative. And uh, Cthulhu Dark. Oh, god! Is, yeah, is totally a screw your friends over kind of game. Which, when uh, my old group no ran uh, Revelations, we did it in Cthulhu Dark to emulate the RPPR playthrough, and we all forgot about that mechanic. So it was just like a horrifying scenario where we all died at the end. I think we forgot about it when we played Cthulhu Dark until about halfway through and then all right, Chris is like, Oh yeah. And then just the floodgates <laughs> open. That's the way it seems to always go. <laughs> oh wait, I can fuck you guys. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, any, you can kinda do that with uh better angels. Oh it's yeah. Sort yeah. of a an outside an exterior kind of screw each other over kind of thing. I mean that's basically what the whole game is about is Using your demons to get other players to to do horrible things, Chris. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, Noah. Speaking of better angels, do you have something better angels related coming up on another podcast or anything? <laughs> I do. I, I am a I am a podcast oh. trader. No, I was going to say uh, horror, but keep going. Yeah, 
Well, that's being reductive, Adam. <laughs> um, hey, don't podcast shame Noah. Yeah. So I am going to be running uh, No Soul Left Behind for the techn- Technical Difficulties Gaming Podcast soon-ish, TM. Um, I'm trying to get them to come up with characters and figure out like what the actual party and what everybody's schedule is going to look like and things like that. So um, that is going to be sort of a sporadic thing on at least running it wise. Um, and then it'll probably start going up sometime in the, in the future. So that's um, awesome. That's Good something action. to look forward to. Quick reminder that I am constantly trying to get onto that game. <laughs> uh, we're, we're trying to figure everything out. Um, so long as it's not going to be like, you know, eight or nine people trying to all get into the same game, we, we might be able to get you in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to feel bad if you don't, if you can't do it. But I've heard yeah. a bunch of people. Like the one, I, I've met a few of them in person, despite one of them saying they didn't meet me. And, uh, you know, it I met you for like five minutes. So it was, wasn't like, yeah, it, it wasn't like, I was like, let me tell you about my life, Laura. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't like, yeah, you know. <laughs> But it was like hello, and I pass off. But yeah. um, no, no, like we'll definitely, whenever that show comes up, we'll we'll share that in our our notes and plug it. You know, of course, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. I think to say people listen to them, listen to us. So you know, yes. like we're we're the bastard sons of RPPR. Chris, do you have any anything to add into anecdotes? Because you know they can top spiders and omega sharks and six gun paranoia. It's all blending in. <laughs> well, um, I accidentally gave somebody a, uh, an asthma attack. Oh, God. Pollen? <laughs> well, how, how did that happen? Explain that. Was this during one of your games? Yes, we were... Uh, I mentioned at the, start of the top of the podcast that I'm running three campaigns. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Monsters and Other Childish Things for uh, Newbies. So one of the guys, uh, Mike, he uh, has asthma. And he's never really played role-playing games before. And this is Monsters is a funny game. Like, it it should be played as a comedy, even if it's, like, a dark one. But uh, he decided that one of his relationships would be my cousin Vinny. Oh, God. Yeah, as in the TV, uh, as in the movie. And, uh... His kid's like a middle schooler. He's like, I'm going to go boxing. I'm like, oh, uh, who do you go boxing with? Do you have a relationship? He's like, oh, yeah, no, my, my cousin. So he's like, yeah, I walk up to the boxing, I, I walk up to the boxing arena, and I'm like, okay, so you see your cousin Vinny. He's just like, Joey! <laughs> hey, Joey! And, like, just yelling that caused him to lose it. And, like, every single time when he would, like, gain a little bit of breath, I'm like, Joey! <laughs> Joey, I'm over here! <laughs> is, now, is this, like, a little kid Joe Pesci? Or is he, like, full-grown adult Joe Pesci? Yeah. Full-grown adult Joe Pesci about to box a 12-year-old. <laughs> the now, 12-year-old another important. Here's another important question. Was Marissa Tomei there? Marissa Tomei was not there, but I have plans. And, uh, ooh, fun fact, I just finally looked at our, our uh, chat log for this. I see you're making fun of my Shrek shirt on... On, on the group me and in, on in our, our, ch- our chat log. Next time, I'm going to wear my official Shrek the Musical. I was in that motherfucker, by the way. <laughs> oh. 
I am I ashamed a, of you. I had a big. I did it for the kids. The kids. The kids. But no, I was. Um, I was Peter Pan, the boy who never grew up. So they had me grow a beard. It's close to the one that I can grow. And I wore I wore tight green leggings. And I think I've shown you a picture of that before. I just remember awkward. that <laughs> awkward moment. Like, like I was wearing more. Like those of you at home, I was wearing more than green leggings and that. But like I was, you know, regaling with my theater and stage background. Awesome. Well, I guess if there's nothing else to add on this, I would like to take a moment to thank uh, some of the people that's commented on our role-playing exchange uh, page on iTunes, such as Riverhouse Games and Thea Briskin, which I know who you are, and Vmaster77, (laughs) excuse me, Vmaster777, who apparently Chris knows. What's up, Sam? So, guys, thank you, thank you all very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate it. If you, uh, for those of you that aren't any of these three people, if you would like to leave us some feedback, we definitely would appreciate it. You can catch us on iTunes, or you can visit our website at uh, www.roleplayingexchange.com. And we also have a Facebook group, Facebook page, excuse me, not a group, on, um, you know, just on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook, there is a Twitter, and uh, RPX, what was the Twitter handle, I'm sorry? Uh, the Our Twitter is at RPExchange, so you can follow us there. We usually post uh, our whenever episodes go up and things like that. Yeah, so you, you stay up with the most current things. Also, I would like to take a moment to uh, thank Ghostmice for allowing us to use their song, critical hit as both our intro and outro. Oh, you, you can find Ghost Mice and uh, all, all sorts of funk, folk punk good on Planet X Records. Thank you, Chris. And with that, I'm Adam. And these are... I'm Noah. And I'm Chris. And we're still keeping order. And thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. And you're deep in a dark dungeon and your clerics out of Don't ever give up. Not all fights are won by skill, some are won by luck. Don't ever give in. You've got to keep on trying till you lose or you win. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Wait with hope for the big 2-0. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it roll, let it roll, let it roll. roll.